Hallelujah. Right, you got your Bibles. Turn in your Bibles with me. Just going to go through three portions of Scripture. Just give it some relevance to this morning because it's baptism service this morning. And, uh, and then we're going, to, yeah, we're going to do the baptism. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 13. So I want you to look at Matthew chapter 3. Say, Lord, we thank you for your word. Say, your word is truth. Sanctified by your word. Enlighten us according to your word. Lord, let the entrance of your word bring light. Okay, everybody, say, let the entrance of your word bring light. Because in your light, there's more light. And I want more light in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 3 from verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Is it amazing that Jesus understood correct protocol, kingdom protocol? Here is the Son of God. Here is the sinless man of God. Here is the perfect man, and he comes and submits to another man's ministry. It's all right. If you've missed it, I'll just carry on. Came unto the Jordan to John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him and understandably said, you know, I need to be baptized of thee, of you. You come to me. And then Jesus said this, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us, and particularly me, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John permitted him and said, okay, I will baptize you. So I want to just point this out to you. Jesus said, we need to do this, NIV says. It's proper to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Everybody say, fulfill all righteousness. Now, there's a lot of Christians, a lot of churches that are not fulfilling all righteousness. A lot of people don't understand that God declares us as righteous in God's sight, but there is a righteousness that we need to fulfill. Is that okay? Part of your righteousness is your giving. Part of it is church. Part of it is your Bible reading. There are things that relate to the kingdom and to the, your spiritual life that is righteousness. It is a protocol. It's things that need to be done. And Jesus said, let all righteousness be fulfilled by being baptized. Everybody say, we need to do the things the right way. You can't serve God your way. You have to serve God His way. You don't serve God with your truth about God. You serve God with His truth. Amen? He came to give us truth. So we need to do it His way. Everybody say His way. To fulfill all righteousness. When you get saved, some righteousness is fulfilled, but not all righteousness. Amen? Right now, there's a lot that can be said about this, but we won't go into it. So let me just quickly run by it and tell you. Jesus was born under the Old Testament. How many of you know eight days old, he was submitted to circumcision, the rite of circumcision? So Jesus was circumcised like every firstborn son. Okay? So he needed to do that to fulfill righteousness. The requirement of the law, every firstborn child, firstborn male, needs to be circumcised. They didn't go, I mean, what is this, you know? I mean, this is the oak that created you. And he's got to submit to your laws and ordinances. But he fulfilled all righteousness. Then John the Baptist comes along. His ministry was a transition ministry between the old and the new. Okay? He was preparing for the bridegroom. He was making straight away for Jesus coming. And so it was transitionary. His baptism was a baptism of repentance, preparing for Jesus. Jesus' baptism was different. But Jesus didn't need to repent of anything. But everybody, John the Baptist came preaching, repent, and be baptized. Remember? Even the scribes and Pharisees were coming. And John even said to them, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? 
because there's a judgment coming on you for your rejection of God. Now you think you can escape by quickly going through. At least they had enough sense to know, well, kind of like, you know, like this is, this is something that we need to do. And so Jesus submitted to it to fulfill all righteousness. So up until that point in time, he submitted to, to fulfill all righteousness. But there was other righteousness that Jesus needed to fulfill later on. Okay? One of them was going to the cross. And so he stepped into the protocol of the kingdom, and he fulfilled all righteousness by doing all of the requirements of God. Come on, church. Come on, church. We've got to do things the right way. We can't expect the blessing of God if we're not doing the things the right way. If we're not doing the principles of God. That's why, part of the reason why, that's why in Mark 16, 15, 16, and in Matthew 28, he says, repent and believe and be baptized, everyone, for the remission of sins. He said, if you don't believe, well, you can be baptized as many times you remain in your condemnation. But if you believe, if you put your faith in Christ, you need to be baptized. So just very let's quickly talk about that before we proceed. I'm going to be finished in a few minutes. And that is this. Baptism is very much also like the marriage ceremony. It has to be done before witnesses. It needs to be a public declaration. Because just like marriage by law, you can't sneak off somewhere and the two of you get married. There has to be a marriage officer. There has to be at least two witnesses, okay? So it's got to be as public as at least two or three people because Jesus said every principle is established by the principle of two or three, the witnesses or agreement. And so he establishes a matter. So it's very much a public thing. And so it is not only symbolic of, it literally is a reenactment of your whole salvation, because in it, you are identifying. It's not just symbolism. You need to read Romans 6. Because he said, because we are buried with him through baptism. And we raised from out of the water in Christ, you know, into the resurrection, into a new life. So it's not just symbolism. Just like communion, it's not just symbolism. I says that little ritual is some bread. And no, no, no. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. When with water baptism, there's not only the reenactment of your salvation, but it's the thing that seals the deal. There's a spiritual thing behind it where you are cut off. There's a cutting away of the flesh. And water baptism in the New Testament replaces circumcision in the Old Testament. That's why Paul says it's the cutting away of the flesh around the heart. The sinful nature is cut away in water baptism. Then the next thing, you know, it's really important because, you know, after your salvation, we confess Jesus as Lord, and then he says, okay, first act of obedience after you get saved, be baptized. You can't say no to water baptism and say yes, Lord. Either he's Lord or he's not Lord. So it's our first act of obedience, okay? But it's also fulfilling all righteousness. So in Luke chapter 7, verse 29, the Pharisees came, and Jesus said this to them. The reason why, putting it in my words, the reason why you cannot receive me, the reason why you can't receive my words is because you were not baptized by John. You rejected his baptism. In other words, because there was an act of righteousness that I required of you, and you never submitted to baptism, that's why you can't go on to other things. You are stuck the other side of John's baptism. The reason why you don't recognize me as Messiah, the reason why you cannot accept the words that I'm speaking, because you didn't fulfill all righteousness. Now, I want you to notice that King James says, that all the people that heard him and the publicans, the sinners, justified God. By being, just, by being baptized. I mean, that's a powerful statement. They justified God. They were proving that God was right. 
Is that okay? But the Pharisees rejected it, and Jesus said, you didn't fulfill righteousness. That's why you can't move on. And so Jesus, the sinless Son of God, you see, look, it says, the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves. This is quite something, isn't it? There are too many people in the church of Jesus Christ, and they are rejecting the counsel of God. Don't be so pig-headed, stubborn, that you think that your wisdom is greater than God's. Don't be so densely stupid to think that you can serve God your way and that God will bless you. There's too many Christians that are saying, yeah, where was God in all of this? Well, my first question always was, where were you with God? It's really the question that we need to be answering. Where are you with God? How does His principles feature in your life? You cannot go around breaking principles. We need to, come on church, we need to be fulfilling all righteousness. Now that's a big subject we can go on and on and on talking about all of those principles. There's a protocol to the kingdom. There's a way of doing things. And we should be doing those things. Good? So in Matthew's gospel, he does go on um, in Matthew chapter 3 and talked about the fact that when he was then baptized, because he's fulfilling all righteousness, that was all the righteousness he knew up until that point in time. But as he went on, listen, become established in doing what God requires of you. Don't obey up to a point and then disobey because it doesn't suit you. Keep on back. So baptism very much is the doorway to fulfilling the principles of God for the rest of your life. Is that okay? Fulfill all righteousness. All right, so, so just sort it out with God. I'm going to do what God says. Amen? And so the Bible says that, and as he was baptized, when he came up out of the water, it says, and heaven opened. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel says the same thing, the heaven opened. But it's interesting that Matthew's gospel is the only gospel that says, and the heavens were opened to him. Not to John, not to Peter, not to Andrew, not to any of the disciples around that follow him, not even to John the Baptist where the heavens opened. The heavens were opened to him, to Jesus. Why? Because he fulfilled all righteousness. And I dare say probably John, because John consented and said, all right, let us fulfill all righteousness. You need to be submitted to my baptism. And so, so heaven opened. It's interesting, Mark's gospel, Mark records it in Mark chapter 1, and I think it's from verse 9 or 13, somewhere around there. When he records it, he says, when he uses the word for the heavens were open, he uses a very strong Greek word, schism. In other words, what he was saying is the heaven was rent open. The heaven was torn open. The heaven was split apart. And God violently opened the heaven over his son because his son was fulfilling the principles of God. And so I want to tell you, God will rip heaven open over people who live according to his protocol and fulfill all righteousness. Amen? So he tore heaven open violently. The word schism is where we get that same Greek word is where we get schizophrenia from, which means a divided soul and a divided mind, almost like you've got two souls or two minds. And I want to tell you there's a sense in which we as Christians are schizophrenic in a positive sense because when he rips heaven open, he gives you another mind. And yes, there is a division in the soul because he's taking you from natural to supernatural. He's causing us to be heavenly minded. Okay? So it's an open heaven now all of a sudden over us. So heaven is torn open. And I want to tell you, the power of operating in an open heaven. You don't have to pray for 10 hours and try and do spiritual warfare and fight through clouds of demons to open in heaven. You just live the principles of God. Full, full righteousness. You live under a torn open 
heaven. And Isaiah says, God says, I give you the storehouse of heaven, the heavens. I give you my bounty in the storehouses of heaven. And Paul says it very differently in Ephesians 1. He says, you are blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Peter says it in another way. He said, this salvation for you is kept safe in heaven, guarded for you. But the thing is, it's not kept away from you. It's just that it's secure and it's all yours. So God rips heavens open. So what happens from that moment? You tap into a ceaseless supply of the Holy Spirit. You tap into a ceaseless supply of the kingdom of God in the heavenly realm, in the spiritual realm. You tap into an eternal, uninterrupted flow of resource. Because if you just keep fulfilling all righteousness, and that's why the next struggle that you face is the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. It's a principle of God. Because from there, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The next thing that you will face as a struggle is your finances. The next thing you will face is your testimony. The next thing will be your church involvement and the way you conduct yourself and all of that kind of thing. The way you serve with your giftings and all of those kind of things. That is fulfilling all righteousness. Come on, church. You know, you don't have to fast and pray so much as just live the right way and do the right thing. Speak the right words. And you live under an open heaven, and God says, everything that I have is yours. Everything. And then after that, so I'll give you the, the little acrostic for it now. So the first thing is this incredible resource of an open heaven. Then a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. I mean, that, that is such an amazing thing. There's nothing more affirming than to hear God speak over you in the exact same phrase that he spoke over Jesus. When we're fulfilling all righteousness, heaven is ripped open. And the first thing that comes, even before the benefits, even before the ceaseless supply, is a voice of affirmation. An affirmation to your soul. You're fulfilling all righteousness. You're my, you're my son and I love you. It's nothing more healing for the human condition. Our first father, Adam, plunged us into sin and brokenness into the world to, from then. Fracturedness came to the offspring. Cain kills Abel. And there's death and there's murder because of one father's disobedience. And that's why Jesus comes as the last Adam, the second man to start a whole new generation. And so this generation is all under a curse. And really the voice of the Father was a broken voice, was a shattered love. But the voice of God now speaks, this is my beloved son, and he's affirming your sonship. He's affirming this relationship. He's doing something. It's a soul therapy that exceeds anything that you've ever experienced before. It lifts you up above the ordinariness of our own earthly parents, as good as they were and as much as they loved us. They did damage because they never represented true, pure love. They did their best, and we thank God for our parents. But many were broken themselves. Many were limited. Many gave a bartered love. Many, you know, never reflected God. But he puts it all aside, all of it aside, at the baptism, and he said, beloved son. Paul picks it up 
in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, and you only read that in the King James and others like it, the watered-down versions, you don't read it. It says, He has made us to be accepted in the Beloved. In other words, it's what I said at the beginning. Jesus stood before God like us, full of sin, that we may stand before God like Him, all righteousness. And to hear the decree of heaven, the affirmation for our souls, for our psyche, that the God of the universe is a Father who loves us deeply and dearly. I mean, that should be such healing. If we get that revelation, it's going to take away the need for counseling. It's going to take away the brokenness, the fragmentation. That's why when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and one of the things that he said, besides the eyes and the ears and the coming out of prisons, he said, to bind up the broken hearted. In other words, those who are fragmented, the center of the universe is smashed to pieces. There's no proper identity. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal that. I give beauty for ashes. I give it a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And so that's the voice. That's the voice of the Father. And that voice is continually affirming us. The more we walk and fulfill all righteousness, we have the affirmation of God made more certain, more sure, and tell that there's a consciousness in our hearts that I'm a child of God, and nothing can move me, nothing can change me, nothing can take me off of course. And where every one of His principles is a delight, and where I walk in those principles, it's pure delight because I walk as the Son with the Father. Remember that when Jesus was born, it says Mary brought forth her firstborn, child. But as far as God was concerned, the Father, He was the only begotten of God. But after the crucifixion, His death and resurrection, He became the firstborn amongst many brothers, the firstborn from amongst the dead. We're in the church of the firstborn. And so what happened was we were included in Him, and God's only begotten. Now He has other begottens, other born-again sons of God. And so now Jesus is not only the firstborn of Mary, he's the firstborn of God. But he's the firstborn amongst many firstborn. So everything that's true of the firstborn son, the full inheritance, the full blessing that Jesus gets as the firstborn, the older brother, is now shared equally amongst similar like brothers, or exactly the same, the firstborn amongst many brethren. Come on, church. Come on. That should bless you. So that's why I said, I send the Spirit. I send the Holy Spirit because He'll take everything of mine and make it known to you. Come on. I want to encourage you. Just, you know, fulfill all righteousness. (laughs) And baptism is the beginning of it. The third thing that happens, and it says, and the Holy Spirit descended on Him in bodily form like a dove. Man. Man. That was literally heaven coming to earth. And so God says, you know, The kingdom and the heavenlies and the spiritual realm needs to be earthed. It's not my design for heaven and earth to be separated. That's where the schism is between the natural and the supernatural. So you are now a conductor, a conduit. And that's why Jacob said, this place, this Bethel place is the house of God. Not only that, he said, this is the gateway of heaven, of the kingdom of God. It's the gateway. Come on, you're a gateway for the heavenlies. And the Spirit comes on you in bodily form like a dove. You can read it in Matthew 3, Mark 3, uh, Mark 1, Luke 3. And you can find it. And that you become earthed. Come on, church. Come on. Come on, church. And it becomes, you become earthed. So the first thing that happens is that you have a ripped open heaven, a torn apart heaven. And it wasn't ripped this way. It was ripped from God's side. 
You'll never again have to walk under a sense of a brass steel heavens and the sense of the absence of God and the remoteness of God. When you're living His principle, God rips heaven to come down and be involved in your life. He earths you. It's ripped open. Second thing is the voice of divine affirmation, the thing that every human heart is crying for. Whether they can admit it or not admit it, every human being by their behavior is crying out for the living God. I mean, those of you who got children and grown up, you remember the times that your children misbehaved just for you to give them some attention, even if it was in a negative form. You know, applied to the seat of the understanding to enlighten, you know. And there's is that same thing is in the heart of so many people. They're broken, but they don't know where to go because so often we've misrepresented him. We've made him a stern, austere, removed God who at best is a judge that's going to just wipe them out. And he's not. He's the Father. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And when we gave our lives to Jesus, he brought us into sonship, and he brought us into the same relationship with the Father. So it's a rent open heaven. And then there's the voice of affirmation, you my beloved son. You my beloved daughter. I love you so much. You know, there's no need for all the brokenness. There's no need for the wounding. There's no need for that misbehavior. No need. No need. Come on, God wants to heal your heart. God wants to heal that brokenness, that fragmented center, and make you whole. So we all stand in the full stature, the full measure, unto the perfect man, Jesus Christ. Lastly, there's an eternal resource called heaven. <laughs> Not for us to go there, but for it to come here. That there's a flow through your life of the kingdom, an unlimited supply. It was demonstrated. Other than all the other things I said about Jesus, he was also our model. Let me model for you what fulfilling all righteousness looks like. Let me model for you the eternal supply of the Spirit because he came down in bodily form. In other words, he didn't just feel Jesus' pinky or his hand. He filled all of him. And it says the Spirit came and remained. God's desire for your life is not to visit you. His desire is to habit with you. It's not visitation. It's habitation. Amen? It's one of the reasons why I don't believe in covenant theology. I believe in a testament. Because really, in all earnesty, in sincerity, that marriage, true marriage, is not a covenant. It's a unity. It's a oneness. Two becoming one. So you don't have a covenant between two partners. You won. You won. You won. And so true biblical marriage is unity, it's union. And that's why we're the bride of Christ, because we came into union with him. So we don't have a covenant, we're married to him. And he says, all that is mine is yours. We have a testament. The testator died. And he said, here's the will, just pitch up for the signing. You did when you said, I accept Jesus. He said, great, you have an inheritance. It's a testament. Come on, you have got unlimited resources. Unlimited. If we fulfill the protocol of the kingdom, fulfill all righteousness, man, everything of the Spirit, unending, unlimited, you know, an endless supply is yours and mine. Come on, church. Amen. Begins, and it's going to begin for so many today at baptism. I want to tell you that you're fulfilling all righteousness. But there's other righteous acts to follow after this. But right now you're fulfilling 
our righteousness. Can I just tell you something? People want to go on to the X, Y, Zs in the kingdom, but they're not doing the ABCs. If you do the ABCs God's way, He'll unveil the DEFs. If you do it that, He'll take you onto the GHIs. And then the JKLs. Amen? And then He'll take you onto the XYZs. Everybody wants to prophesy. Everybody wants to do miracles. Everybody wants to, you know, do this for God, do that for God. But are you doing the ABCs? So congratulations to those who are doing that this morning. Flate, flate, my stewardies ate. And everybody said, 